The Navarasas are an essence in understanding the complexity of human communication. They are the emotions that keep us alive. While many of us are comfortable to let them flow freely, there are so many of us who find it difficult to express our emotions, leading to strained relationships, pent-up anger and loads of anxiety. Inspired by the Natyashastras that talk in detail about the Navarasas, scholars including Bharata who belong to the 2nd century BC indulge in great literary details about these emotions. These stories that portray each of the rasas have been chosen from the Mahabharata and have been integrated in a continuous, cumulative and inclusive narrative for us to be able to relieve these emotions and connect with them. Bhibitsa rasa arises through many things causing antipathy, such as seeing what is not desirable, smelling that is which unbearable and touching that which is disgusting. This story of the Bhivitsa Rasa explains the feeling of Jujupsa, stemming from such a feeling. This is a story of Ambika and Ambalika and their experiences of revulsion arising from a conjugation with Maharishi Veda Vyas to beget the next generation of the Kuru dynasty. The king of Kashi was a worried man. His three beautiful daughters, Amba, Ambika and Ambalika, were getting ready for their Swayamvara, a traditional royal ceremony where a woman got to choose a man of her choice to be her husband. He knew that the fame of his daughter's intelligence and beauty had spread throughout the country and he was expecting some valiant and noble suitors for them from all over the country. But what really was troubling him is that he had deliberately avoided inviting the king of Hastinapura for the Swayamvara. Kashiraj was aware that Bhishma, who was the caretaker of the kingdom, was under a vow to remain single and that Vichitravirya, the actual ruler, was not strong enough to be able to take care of his daughters. And getting them married to someone that week was not a part of his plan. He had, however, been warned that Bhishma had not taken this decision very well and was planning to abduct his beautiful daughters and get them married to his stepbrother Vichitravirya. Kashiraj knew Bhishma's fighting prowess and that all the kings and princes combined together were no match for his valour. As his eldest daughter, Amba, walked into the Swayamvara hall with a garland in her hand, she sought her father's approval and walked towards King Shalva. And as she was about to garland him, a loud commotion in the hall froze everyone, including Shalva and Kashiraj. A furious Bhishma was thundering towards them, anger pulsating in his veins. In spite of the loud commotion and cheering remarks from the other suitors present there, Bhishma did not even bat an eyelid. Surging ahead like a ferocious lion and yet remaining composed somehow, he looked straight at Kashiraj. He roared. Ever since the beginning of time, the kingdoms of Hastinapur and Kashi have had a cordial relationship. Both kingdoms 
have betrothed their daughters to each other. How dare you not even consider inviting the king of Hastinapur to this important swayamvar? Bhishma then looked at the other kings and princesses present and in a deep strong voice stated, These three princesses will only marry the king of Hastinapur and are entitled to become King Vichitravirya's queens. I, Bhishma, am going to take them with me this instant and whoever dares stop me will have to fight me first. I challenge all you brave men to stop me. Bhishma said with sarcasm dripping in every word of that sentence. As Bhishma went near the three princesses, many kings and many princesses who challenged him came forward to attack. Bhishma countered the attack with just a flick of the wrist. The kings fell back. Bhishma clutched the hands of the three princesses and nobody was able to do anything to him. While Ambika and Ambalika somehow felt thrilled at the fact that so many people were fighting for them, Amba was scared and terrified. King Shalva, whom she loved and was about to garland, had fallen against Bhishma and even though Shalva had ferociously fought back, he was just no match against the might of Bhishma. Quick as a lightning, Bhishma rode away with all three daughters of Kashiraj as the entire clan of kings and princesses helplessly looked on. If either Amba or Shalva had revealed their love for each other during the abduction, Bhishma would not have taken Amba. But upon knowing her true story later, he repented his action and sent Amba back to Shalva. But that is already another story. Vichitravirya, meanwhile, marries Ambika and Ambalika in a grand ceremony in Hastinapur. However, shortly after his marriage, King Vichitravirya succumbed to tuberculosis and died before he could beget any heir with either of his wives. Dismayed, Satyavati remembered Vedavyasa. I wish I was summoning my son under more pleasant circumstances, she thought, as she closed her eyes thinking of her first-born son. Her memory took back to the times when she was a simple person, ferrying people across the river Yamuna. It almost seemed like some other time, so disconnected with her present life. For a second, she wondered whether her daughters-in-law would believe the fact that she, Satyavati, the present queen of Hastinapur was a daughter of a head fisherman. Was she still the same woman? She wondered. Satyavati mused as she thought of Sage Parashar, who gave her body this incredible divine fragrance. And was it not this divine fragrance that made King Shantanu fall madly in love with her? Yes, Satyavati thought, nodding to herself. In many ways, it was Sage Parashar who was responsible for her present life as the Queen of Hastinapur, the strongest kingdom on earth. Her first-born son with Parashar was no ordinary child. 
she had but seen him once in her life and still remembered her disbelief when her baby boy grew from a young child to a fully grown-up adult male within a few minutes. Mother, bless me. Veda Vyasa, her son, had said while falling at her feet. Satyavati still could not believe that the dark, grown-up man with wild, matted locks was her son. She knew that it was her son who had compiled and arranged the knowledge of the Vedas for all mankind. Satyavati knew that as long as she lived, she could never forget that face and that her encounter with Parashar that begot her the son and that all of this was for a larger purpose. Suddenly, Satyavati was disturbed by a rustling noise and as she opened her eyes, standing before her was her son Vedavyasa, a gentle soul with passionate eyes, exactly as she had imagined him. Satyavati could smell the unforgettable smell of fish emanating from him, which had once been such a part of her life. With tears in her eyes, she smiled and embraced him. Veda Vyasa kept quiet, reveling in his mother's love. Looking at Veda Vyasa standing there in her inner apartment, Satyavati was not surprised to realize how he got in in spite of so much of heavy security lined up outside her chambers. After all, he is no ordinary child, she said to herself. Veda Vyasa chuckled. You called me and I came directly to you. Nobody knows that I have come here. Veda Vyasa looked at the closed door. I do not think closed doors or guards can stop me from being there for you, mother. Both mother and son smiled as Satyavati looked at him with apprehension. Veda Vyasa studies with mother. Why did you call me mother? Something tells me affection is not the only reason that you suddenly remembered me. Satyavati smiled to herself and with a little sadness said, How I wish we could spend some more time with each other, Ved. Musing over her past, she continued, If I had not returned to my father's home after you were born, None of this would have happened. Veda Vyasa sat near her feet. You are the queen. You are the mother queen of this magnificent kingdom and even you know that you are meant to be here. Satyavati broke out crying as she heard the words of her son. A mother of kings. Satyavati felt the irony of the situation as fresh sobs racked her body. I'm not the mother of kings. Not anymore, she said in a broken voice. Veda Vyasa waited patiently as Satyavati controlled herself. She took a deep breath and told him everything. Everything from the foolish promise that her father had extracted from Devavrata, Devavrata's promise which earned him the name of Bhishma, the death of Shantanu, the death of Chitrangada, the marriage of Vichitravirya to the princess of Kashi, and now the death of Vichitravirya. My father took the kingdom away from Bhishma, and my sons have paid the price for this foolishness. Satyavati shook her head. 
I beg Bhishma to take the kingdom and marry Ambalika and Ambika. He is Vichitravirya's brother and he has the right to the throne and he can marry the princesses. Satyavati smiled mirthlessly, shaking her head. He said his vow is more important to him and that is the vow of his dharma. He said he would give everything up but he would always stand by the vow he's made. Veda Vyasa nodded as his mother continued. Ved, so now I approach you. What do you wish for me to do, mother? The sage asked his mother. Satyavati told Veda Vyasa of Bhishma's story of sage Parashurama. So a great sage can perpetuate the royal lineage when the king dies childless. This is a practice allowed by custom. Satyavati said looking down, her heart hammering badly as she clutched her hands in a tight fist to prevent them from shaking. Would Veda Vyasa accept her wishes or would he also? Veda Vyasa took a deep breath and looked at his mother. If this is what you want, I will carry out your wishes. Satyavati's tear-stained face broke into a beautiful smile as she heard the words. She kissed him on the forehead and embraced him once more. Thank you, thank, thank you. Mother, please listen to me, Vedavyasa said gently as Satyavati looked at him frowning. Your daughters-in-law, they are princesses. I, I am Vedavyasa. He took a deep breath and continued. I am a sage. I have spent my entire life in the forest performing penance. I have never bothered about my looks and I never will. I look wild and I have the smell of fish coming continuously from me that reminds me that I am your son and I love it. Your daughters-in-law may get scared of me. Please prepare them properly so that they are not caught unaware. Satyavati nodded leaving the room. Do not worry. I will prepare my daughters-in-law to receive you, she said leaving the sage alone. Satyavati first approached her elder daughter-in-law, Ambika. Ambika, I know that you grieve for your husband. Ambika broke out into fresh sobs as Satyavati held her tightly. She then looked at her. Listen, however, all of that is in the past. We need to get on with our lives. Ambika felt scared as she saw the almost single-minded determination in Satyavati's eyes. Satyavati took a deep breath, continuing. The throne of Hastinapur cannot be vacant. The kingdom needs an heir. Ambika wondered what her mother-in-law expected her to do about it. When Satyavati continued, I have convinced your husband's elder brother to come here. Ambika frowned. She knew only Bhishma as her husband's elder brother. She obviously had no idea as to who Vedavyasa was and that Satyavati was referring to him. He will be coming to meet you, Satyavati said, continuing completely unaware of the confusion in her daughter-in-law's mind. Please be prepared to receive him. Do not be scared of him. Alarm bells were ringing in Ambika's head by now. Why would her mother-in-law expect her to be scared? 
she was even more scared of the almost ferocious expression in Satyavati's face and just decided not to ask any questions. When Ambika first saw Vedavyasa, she was shocked and disgusted. Bibitsa! This man looked wild and smelt of fish. Ambika was not able to think anything and closed her eyes tightly as she saw the sage coming towards her, wishing she could never ever open those eyes again. Satyavati looked at Vedavyasa. The next day, she was very happy when he came to visit her. The child which will be born to Ambika, he would be the future king of Hastinapur, won't he? She asked with a hint of desperation in her voice. Vedavyasa smiled sadly as he looked at his mother with pity. Why did you not tell your daughter-in-law that it was me who was coming to meet her? She got so scared of me that she closed her eyes tightly. Vedavyasa said sadly. He continued, I of course did my duty, but the child born to Ambika would be strong. Phenomenally strong, but he would be blind. Satyavati was stunned and her thoughts spiraled out of control. Ambalika, she finally said. Ambalika, she went looking for her second daughter-in-law, thinking that I will ask my second daughter-in-law to come and I will tell her everything. Please do not say no to me, please, she begged Vedavyasa. Vedavyasa sighed as he finally agreed. Unfortunately for Satyavati, Ambika had already spoken to Ambalika about the wild man who was Satyavati's eldest son. By the time Satyavati spoke to her, Ambalika was so scared of Vedavyasa that all she wanted to do was run away from there. But then she did not know how to say no to her mother-in-law, the queen of Hastinapur. So the next morning, Vedavyasa looked at his mother was looking at him hopefully. Ambalika did not close her eyes, mother, but she got scared. She almost became pale in fear. Satyavati made a choking voice as Vedavyasa continued. The son of Ambalika will be a brave and bold prince, but he would be pale like a ghost, exactly the same way that his mother saw me and became. Satyavati sighed. Then she brightened. Please, son, come back after the princesses have had the children. Then they would not be so scared of you. Probably the child born later on would really become the perfect king of Hastinapur. Vedavyasa almost chuckled looking at his mother. But then he nodded and went away from there. Mothers are after all mothers. As Vedavyasa predicted, Ambika's son was born blind and he was named Dhritarashtra, but he was ferociously strong. A day later, Ambalika gave birth to the pale Pandu. A year later, when Vedavyasa came back, Satyavati again approached her daughter-in-law to go to the stage. 
but ambika was so completely unnerved of the sage and her mother-in-law that instead of going there herself she sent her maid to the sage a perfect child was born to the maid but he could never ascend the throne because he was not from the royal lineage he was named vidura and was considered by many as the embodiment of lord dharma himself the story of ambika and ambalika and the bibitsa rasa they experienced was a result of theirs as well as their mother-in-law's expectations their inability to understand and assimilate the situation its significance and its effect on the course of future because of their internal disgust is really the story of pibitsa rasa the rest as they see is history quite literally